Sky Carumba, June 19th to 25th, 2022. The Naked Eye planets remain in order in a morning lineup this week. But if you want to see Mercury, you need to look soon. It's heading sunward, retreating from the morning meetup. For sky watchers in the northern hemisphere, it's already very hard to see. It's so low above the horizon before twilight starts, there's not much time to find it. A building, hill, or distant clouds will easily hide it already. If you're a long-time Mercury observer, you know that this is nothing new. A waning gibbous moon passes by some of the planets this week. On Sunday morning, it's about the same distance from Saturn as it is from Fomalho, the bright star in Piscis Astrinus, the southern fish. More about that star in a moment. The moon's closer to Jupiter on Monday and much closer on Tuesday when it's at last quarter. On to Mars on Wednesday. By Saturday morning, it's closing in on Venus. For most places in the world, the moon and Venus will be closest on Sunday morning next week. And an even thinner moon can help you find Mercury Monday morning next week, if you're lucky. Uranus and Neptune are in the morning lineup. You'll need a star chart, a dark sky, and magnification to see them. Now, about Fomalho. It's the only bright star in its area of the sky, and for that, it has earned the nickname, the loneliest star. Navigators who use the stars like it because there's nothing else in that part of the sky to confuse it with. One reason Fomalho is so bright is it's only 25 light years away. The star is surrounded by a lot of dust. Astronomers think it's from a lot of comet-like objects orbiting Fomalho and collisions happening regularly. Pictures taken by the Hubble Space Telescope in 2004 and 2006 may have captured evidence of this. The images seemed to show a planet, but later pictures taken by the Spitzer Space Telescope didn't show it. Some scientists think the dark area was a temporary dust cloud left by comets crashing into each other. But then, more space telescope pictures showed a dark area again, and so there was a debate. Planet, dust cloud, and electronic noise in the imaging systems were the sides to take. For now, the prevailing notion is that it's a planet, and it's even been given a name. Dagon, spelled D-A-G-O-N. Two other stars orbit Fomalho. The bright, easily seen star is called Fomalho A. Fomalho B orbits 0.9 light years from it. It's about magnitude 13, so you don't get to see it without a big scope and a very dark sky. And probably your view of it won't have Fomalho A in it. At only 25 light years away from us, that 0.9 light-year spacing puts them about 2 degrees apart in our sky. Fomalho B is so far away from Fomalho A, it orbits in 7.6 million years. Fomalho C is even farther from the parent star, also about magnitude 13. Its orbital distance is 2.5 light-years, which makes it 5.7 degrees from Fomalho A. It's so far away, it's on the other side of the boundary with the constellation Aquarius. That's right, one of the stars orbiting the bright star in Piscis Astrinus is presently in a different constellation, and its orbital period is around 22 million years. When I learned of this, I wondered how long ago Fomalho C was in Piscis Astrinus, and how long it will be before it returns. And then I realized there's no sensible answer. Stars move so much over that much time, the constellations themselves come and go. 
solstice is Tuesday this week at 9.14 Universal Time. Also, Mars is at perihelion the same day, 1.381 astronomical units from the Sun. That's 207 million kilometers or 128 million miles. The Moon passes in front of Uranus on Friday Universal Time, Saturday morning local time, where that event is visible in Western Australia and parts of Indonesia. A nearly unnoticed arrow flies over our heads in June. Perhaps we would pay more attention to it if it were closer to Valentine's Day, and then we may recognize it as Cupid's arrow and look upon it wishing where it would fall. But in most stories, Sagitta is an arrow of death. It's also a little hard to see this arrow. Its stars are third and fourth magnitude, and they form one of the smallest constellations. Certainly, ancient cultures saw it much more easily than we can in our light-polluted skies. To all of them, it looked like an arrow. Sadida has just one named star, and Sham is the Arabic word for arrow. Long ago, the constellation itself was sometimes called Sham or Al-Sham. The star is about 620 light-years away. One popular ancient Greek story of Sagitta says it's the arrow that Apollo shot at the Cyclopes. They had made thunderbolts, the ones that Zeus used to kill Apollo's son. Another legend says Heracles launched the arrow at Aquila, which is a nearby constellation. Aquila is an eagle Zeus sent to torment Prometheus for stealing fire from Olympus. Yet another tale says Heracles fired the arrow at the menacing Stymphalian birds. They had claws, wings, and beaks made of iron, and people were their favorite food. And finally, let's tell how Eros, usually known today by his Roman name Cupid, could inflict love spells by shooting people and other gods with arrows. In the old stories, love could cause as much grief as death, but somehow it was still a more pleasant thing to think about. Don't confuse Sagitta with Sagittarius the archer. He's in a different part of the sky and has nothing to do with this arrow. Although it may seem like an obvious connection, None of the old stories link Sagitta and Sagittarius. You can see Sagitta from almost anywhere in the world except where bright lights obscure the dimmer stars. Look for it rising in the east after dark this time of year, and you'll see Cygnus the swan on the left and Aquila the eagle on the right. Above the arrow is Lyra the harp. Delphinus the dolphin is below it. You may even spot the wolf Vulpecula nearby, but it is even harder to see. Sky Caramba.